You are listening to Ayahuasca Talks, and I am your host, Rebecca Hayden. For those of you who are interested in self-discovery and healing through hypnosis, please email me at rebecca.hayden at gmail.com to book a free consultation. Welcome to another edition of Ayahuasca Talks. Today, my guest is Dr. Helen Mossiman Kogan. She is a neuroscientist specializing in behavioral neuropharmacology. She has had extensive experience with plant medicines and guides people through the process of changing their mind. She is a mentor and an author, and I'm so pleased to have her on the show today. Thanks so much, Rebecca. It's great to be here. And you and I had such a great discussion about so many aspects of integration and the themes that came up and the kinds of things that we're still learning through all of this. And one of the things you brought up was being called and how integration can start in advance of you even having the experience. Yeah, that's right. I was reflecting on my integration process and thinking about when it began. And then I thought, wow, it begins before, well, for me at least, it began months before I even really even knew what ayahuasca was. My first introduction to it was in a conversation with a friend, which was probably about January, February time, 2009. And she mentioned ayahuasca in passing. And then life took me away from that country and on the road. And I couldn't get the name out of my head. And it would be five, five or six months later where it was like a, a tug. And then later I would, people would say, oh, yes, ayahuasca is calling you. And I thought, what does that mean? <laughs> With my scientific brain, it was like, how is she calling me? What is she calling me? But it's like a, you're at the end of this rope, like you're caught, you're a fish that's just caught the bait. And it's pulling at you saying there's something here, there's something important for you here. And uh, that, the, the curiosity of that for me was overwhelming. I'd never experienced anything like that. I'd already started to see synchronicities. I'd, I'd woken to seeing those and um, names and numbers, but this this was something else. And then, so as I say, it was about four or five months this was going on until I ended up in a place in Australia. And then someone said to me, oh, this weekend, they're doing ayahuasca ceremonies nearby. And I thought, wow, I'm right where I need to be. And, um, you know, we were signed up and then and then that was it. But they do say very much, you know, if you're first time, we have an intention. It was already clear by my path, I think, that I was looking for answers. I was very clearly looking for answers. But by the time I came to the first ceremony, I stated, you know, you've been calling me. What do you want me to know? And I was just open to whatever it was because, you know, the phone had been dialing and, you know, finally I'd picked up and had arrived and I, I was just completely open to whatever it was. Right. I know that people often ask about what does that mean, do you know, to be called? And I think it is different for everyone. And I know a lot of people question it where it's like, okay, I can hear about lots of things. And does that mean I'm called? And it's a feeling you get too. Um, it's, it's an invitation to start to tap into your own intuition, which is something that is not very um, openly supported in society, it seems. I hope that's shifting. I think it is. But it's not an external thing. It can be, but it's it's how you feel about it. Like you knew that something was going on there. Yeah. 
Well, what you mentioned about you, you'd already been journeying. I had already, always, for probably three years before I got to ayahuasca, I'd been also, I think it's like a purification process and uh, different different healing techniques. I started with maybe tapping and Reiki and other energy healing techniques and one thing after another, one thing after another, and then that calling started. And I think that's also part of this integration that happens before is you, you also have to be ready. You're kind of prepared for it. You can't get there too soon, I, I don't think. Right. Yeah. And, and it helps a lot. Um, yeah. I can only imagine what it would have been like to dive into it without that. And, you know, people do stumble into it, but ideally I think, you know, it is a good thing to prepare and to start to tap into those, those feelings, what's drawing you and follow your curiosity, because I'm sure that that's what happened to me with shamanism. I, I became curious after doing energy healing going, okay, well, you know, where'd this come from? And then I just followed, you know, that path. I think like a natural rite of passage that you open up to. It's, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're not sent for six years into the wilderness, although it does feel like that. But the challenges come up and we're, we have to see how we'll face them, the decisions we'll make in the moment. And once we get through that first hurdle, you know, or we'll challenge, then the next one shows up and then it leads us and it leads us and it leads us until we're ready right. for maybe the bigger ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you talked about intention too. Um, I know that for a lot of us, the intention is usually, you know, driven by a a deep need in us at the time, you know, we are either sick and we need to be healed or, you know, we're terribly unhappy and not liking where our life is going or how we're feeling. And that usually drives our initial intentions. And what I find is that uh, the medicine just shifts us to, well, for me, this, this is what happened. It, it helped me understand what was, what was underlying all of that. And then that became my focus because if you keep focusing on the effects, the um, symptoms, it's not as helpful as really understanding the root cause and addressing that. Yeah, that's true. I, I've been thinking about that in terms of maybe reading about psychedelic therapy and kind of this whole renaissance in this area is the symptoms is not enough. The the, the real integration will help us understand the cause. Mm -hmm. And that's what's empowering. We want to understand how we got to such a bad place in the first place so that we are then empowered to make the changes for our paths to go differently. I think it's a real, I was reading something recently that someone was talking about um, some psychedelic experience and they said, I became my own therapist. And I think that's really, that's the potential with the plants that you can work with them and they will help you understand yourself and become your own therapist. Yeah. Not that that was my intention. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That was my intention when I went into it to become my own therapist. I desperately wanted to feel good. I wanted to feel better. And I was at the point where I would do anything, um, mm-hmm. really. Yeah, and, and that was even in my kind of discussion with my higher self was like, I will do anything, n- nothing. I can see that everything I've been holding on to as a distraction, as a crutch, I can see that one after the other, they don't work. So just show me what will and I'll go wherever it takes me. Yeah, and I think that we learned through all of this that, 
what we're accustomed to is this whole compartmentalization, you know, the physical is separate from the emotional and which is separate from the spiritual, but all of it is one, you know, it's all blended together. It's, it's not separate. And when you start to see that, you know, it changes the way that we approach everything, right? Yeah. Yeah, the, the interconnectivity. I, I sometimes think we, in in ceremonies, we we often the the huge realization we often get is, oh, it's all connected, and mm-hmm. the integration and, and this part for me was a big part of my integration afterwards was continuing to see how it's all connected in my everyday life, not just in mm-hmm. ceremony, but seeing putting the pieces together. Of, of my life, of different areas of my life. And, and just as you say, you can't separate the physical from the emotional. I was starting to see, I couldn't separate my work life from a, my romantic life, from my relationship with my parents, from my finances. I was starting to see the threads across all of it. And that mm-hmm. was a huge gift that I was able to kind of int- implement kind of on a practical day-to-day basis and go, oh, this is showing up here and it shows up here and it shows up here. And if I want change, it's got to be in all of these areas. Yeah. And this, you know, going back to this um, becoming your own therapist, I think that this is really what's shifting a lot of things now, too, because I think the model that we are accustomed to as well is, is a model of dependency, whether it's on medication or on a therapist. And when things shift into helping us become more independent, I think that that shifts our whole experience and our whole world. Right. The medicine seemed to be encouraging us to become more independent, become more self-reliant, become more responsible, and discover just how capable we really are, especially this intimate inner knowing. Just tapping into that and going with that and trusting it is really important. And this is what we've kind of farmed out, you know, often enough. And the intuition is a really good key to that because when we read something or we connect with somebody who offers us tools or whatever, and it really, you know, connects with that deep knowing and says, yeah, this is it. You know, that's, that's also us discovering that inner knowing we, we would never connect with material or tools if there wasn't something inside of us that was, you know, knowing that was right and knowing that's what we need. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I touched on this when we spoke last, but I, I heard a description of the, you know, the shift from the Aquarian age to the Piscean age, sorry, Piscean age to the Aquarian age, like a key element of the Piscean age was that we followed. We followed spiritual leaders. We followed the politicians. We just followed and followed. And then an enormous shift that's really blowing our mind is the Aquarian age says there's no one to follow. It's all inside of you. And there's this turning point where we get to the end of following and and saying, and then the realization that, oh, it comes from within me. And that's a huge rewiring. Um, and, and, and it takes time to let go of, of being a follower and recognize I have to be my own leader. And all the criticisms mm-hmm. I'm making of other leaders are my own in- inadequacies as a leader. And how do I be that? And that's an mm-hmm. enormous, it's, it's enormous change in perspective of oneself, perspective of the world. Yeah, it's really important to recognize that too, that, you know, it can be really um, disturbing to 
to realize these reflections that we're seeing, our reflections of, of us, how we feel about ourselves, all of those things, and that, that that can shift. And then, you know, we can use this immense power that we're giving away uh, to do to achieve all the things that we were complaining about. Yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking, I remember before one ceremony, and I had experienced various shamans, uh, um, across Peru and also different countries as well, and I, I, incredible experiences. And but after a while, I remember being in Oliantitambo. I don't know if you know in the Sacred Valley and uh, on the the ruins there. And um, there was some ayahuasca had come my way again, and I remember getting the message that it was no more shamans, and then I had to find the shaman within. And. I think it was the first ceremony I did without a shaman. And from then on, I realized this, this, this shift. And that in the future with my clients, I wanted them to be empowered, to be their own shaman, to be their own guide. And the only thing we fear is really ourselves or the unknown aspects of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a whole separate subject that, about the shadow and the fear we have of the shadow. And I often say, why did the shadow get such a dirty rap or such a bad reputation? It's just these parts of ourselves that we, we've not been used to looking at um, mm-hmm. because we often present just the light and we think it's about being light and bright and white and shiny. But that's causing so many problems to this perfection and this ideal and rather than the acceptance that we have all of these different attributes and once we accept that they're there we can start working with them it's purely Mm -hmm. our judgment of them that makes it so uncomfortable but if we could just Mm -hmm. accept we're all here with them and that's part of our process to understand these aspects to transform them to understand their place in the collective and ourselves and our family etc then we can feel more empowered but while we're under the judgment of either being a sinner or the praise of being a saint we'll be polarized in the same mm-hmm. polarization we see in the world. Yeah. I mean, the, the truth that, you know, I feel was revealed to me is that we are that light. That is actually who we really are. And all the rest of it is the layers that we come to know as we heal. Yeah. And we heal. And the, yeah. Sometimes, I mean, by shedding them. I've often found that the gems are are in those darkest places. I've often thought, wow, the philosopher's stone is right in the middle of the cow dung and you've got to go into the cow dung (laughs) and you come out of it and, and then it makes everything worthwhile and it puts everything into context and you understand why things have been as they were. Because it makes you that journey into the cow dung, the dark night of the soul, it, it's what empowers you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to um, come to understand it in order to move through it. You know, we, we, we are afraid sometimes. I've gone through the kinds of experiences that I wouldn't wish upon anyone, but there was absolutely no other way. You know, I set the destination in my intention and, you know, I stated very clearly, you know, where I wanted to end up. And so this is the journey through. And <laughs> as you say, yes. the donkeys, you know, this is what it's yeah. been like sometimes. And, um, you know, we talk joyously of, of ayahuasca and our experiences. And that so many of them were inspiring, miraculous, phenomenal, all these things, right? And, and deeply profound and spiritual. 
Um, and the work is often not like that. that <laughs> helps us achieve all those wonderful things. But we do end up shedding a lot of it. Like, yes, we go into the mire and all the rest of it. And sometimes once we are fully informed and fully aware of what it is that we were doing or participating in, then we have the option of not doing that anymore. And that's very yes. freeing. Yeah. So you had mentioned something else in our discussion was um, waking up to all of our full human story. Yes. The, the, the layers, um, they come off and they come off. Um, but I, my journey is a coincide of just kind of awakening to, it was around, it was in the run-up to 2012, so 2009. And so that was already in the air. And it was in the first ceremony I did, it, it was telling me, you know, we've got to go back and clean so much of our human story up, you know, We've been through so many wars, there's been so much conflict, there's been so much dogma and religion, and these forces and another force and there's this civilization coming and then destroying itself, and we're coming at the end of a cycle, and, and I felt very much that we're clearing up not just our lives, but lives upon lives, and in that process, understanding what it is to be human. We're not just yeah. walking around as a result of the amount of lives we've lived on, on this earth. With We have so much of our parents in us. We have our cultural lineage, our bloodlines, ancestral lines in the collective. And there is so much to that history. Mm -hmm. Yeah, ancestral healing is certainly a big part of um, the path of integration, I feel. <laughs> it's funny, I remember... I had a friend who was who went further in in her shamanic studies and was um, doing a course on ancestral healing, and she wanted to practice on me. And we were studying together initially, but anyway, she came over and and she did her whole uh, practice, and I had an experience there. But afterwards, we just started to talk, and I told her about you know this continuing dialogue and. And what it's teaching me and the kinds of experiences I've been through. And when I described to her what I went through one night where um, I was just guided through my whole body and all these memories for each part of the body came up and there were tears and all this stuff. And it was just sort of like all night long. And then by morning, I actually felt better. I kept thinking, I'm going to be exhausted. But um, the truth is, when I go through this and by the morning, I feel great. <laughs> And yeah. when I described to her everything that happened, she says, wow, that's actually in our curriculum. Like everything that you described that happened to you that night is part of what we're studying to intentionally make happen. So some, sometimes I think that we're just part of integration is taking into ourselves this knowledge that we have had ancestrally. And it can it can come up for us in different ways. You know, we can go through formal training or we can also tap into, you know, that part of us that that knows. And I didn't do any of this really intentionally. It happened spontaneously. And, you know, all kinds of people have spontaneous um, experiences. But it goes to show you that this is a collective knowing that we do have. And the ways into that can be different for each of us. But it's there for us to tap into. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it c continues for me, it continues so many years after 
I was doing plant medicine intensively for a number of years, but it continues many years after. So my family come from what was the Soviet Union. And as I watched the war, I still think back to my parents and my ancestors that came from the Soviet Union. And, you know, it, it still carries on at new levels. Mm-hmm. The further we go along, um, we see more... And they say, the more you see, the more there is to see. And that's what happens. You start to see more and then you see even more and you go, oh, this was going on and that was going on. And I couldn't see that then, but I can see that now. And as things come into come in and out of the news, you reflect on all these other aspects of yourself um, from, mm-hmm. from a new angle, from a new perspective. And you go, oh, I can do a bit more healing now because I can I can see that bit more. Right. Do you feel like, you know, that was something that was, that you had been carrying around with you that whole history of, of what happened there and that this was allowing you to free yourself from it? Uh, this was, you mean the plant medicine? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I worked with a healer. Um, he was just an energy healer. He was a master, master healer, he called himself. I remember seeing him, this was before I did plant medicine and my lineage is uh, Soviet Jewish. And I went to him and I was saying, you know, I just feel so down. And he said, he would bring numbers out of the air, but he would say, you suffer on average 20,000 times more than the average person because your lineages are so old. And you have been carrying this from, you know, from century to century. And when he said that to me, it was, it was just like, oh, that's why. That's why it's not even mine. And um, that was even before I got to the plant medicines. And then with the plant medicines, just going deeper into this lineage. And and I really felt it had accumulated, that it's not just you have one life and then you're in and out. But to me, it really felt like this has been accumulating over time. And that's why it feels so heavy now. Mm -hmm. And yeah. yeah. Uh, We talk about sometimes families where we see history repeating itself, whether it's abuse or, you know, habits or, or what have you. And then there's the larger picture, you know, of that playing out in the world. Cause you mentioned our full human story about wars, lies, murders, betrayal, all the stuff and letting it go. And I remember going into a spontaneous hypnotic journey and learning about my history in Ireland. I think before it was Ireland and I was actually a male figure. And it was, I think, intentional for me to experience that particular part of things because uh, it was my opportunity to see things from that side, right? I mean, right. as women, we know this story so well, and then there's the other story. And right. so it was funny because I, I know there's always a reason why you're plunged into these experiences, whether it's you know, the medicine or any kind of journey. And uh, I was standing there and and I knew that we were being invaded and I knew that our culture was, you know, just about to be decimated and that all of those older probably would, would have been considered like shamanic-like, you know, ancient pagan practices were, were going to be um, put down. And, and the last memory that I had as that male figure before, you know, we got invaded was a regret that we had suppressed the women in our culture in the very same way that was just going to happen to us. Right. Yeah. 
So these stories that we're living out now in terms of seeing all the all of the things that are happening in the world are these themes that we have lived with for so long. And, you know, the only way to, to let them go is to go in a different direction instead of all these reprisals and they have to pay. And I think that that's just us remaining in that cycle. And in order to, I have a note here from our conversation to let it go. And I think that all of this healing is really about that finally letting all of it go, not hanging on to who did what to whom. Right. And that we've been all sides of every war and every conflict. And I think as you go along your journey, our journeys, we have, you know, this life. And then as you, as you said, just now as an example, we can tune into these other lives and certain, certain things come our way and we see something on the news and it triggers us. You know, at the start, you can go, this is my thing and that's their thing. And I'm moving this for the family. And eventually I think it doesn't matter whose thing it is. We're just here to transform it. And if we notice that something comes up, that we can transform it. And developing the skills to know how to do that, to be able to see what if, whatever it is with understanding, with compassion, to have the tools to breathe through it, to let it go, to not hold on to it, to learn from it. And how will we do things differently now and in the future? And that process of transformation, I think, is what we're ultimately here to do at this time. Mm-hmm. And the more we're, yeah. we're, we're open and willing to do that, yes, there'll be more things that come our way, but it frees up the path and it becomes less personal and just acceptance that these are these times. And for me, I believe we we are born into these times because we were ready and willing um, to do it. Right. Yeah. We're far more involved in those decisions than we realize and you know the best thing that we can do is understand you know why we did that and how we can heal and it's going to take stages you know i mean we think of all of these horrors in the world and we can't immediately switch off those feelings let's move through them and let's intentionally heal them because when we're hanging on to all of the harms done that's where we stay, you know, that's where our focus is. So that's where we stay and where it's like a navigation system. And if we keep focusing there, that we're going to go deeper into that. And and nobody wants to do that at this point. I don't think truly. No, I I find what's most useful to the most useful way to approach it is why is this showing up in my field and what is it showing me And, and what can I do about it? Because it must be in my field for some reason. And especially if it's triggering me, if it's triggering anger or sadness, then there's some some part of that that's inside of me. How can I find that and transform that within me? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and really valuable a- what you said about we have we have had much more say in why we hear, in why we are here than we have thought we had. If you take it back and and if you go with the idea that we chose to come here at this time then how can we be a victim? Because we're willingly signed up for this. Then these things that I think I'm a victim of, I must have chosen to be a victim of. Why would I have chosen to be a victim of it? Because there must be something that I can learn from it. And there is a way through this that will empower me. Or it will teach me something that I can take forward. But mm-hmm. Once we recognize we've, we, there are choices we've made at a soul level, it starts to shift the perspective on why we're here and, and certainly of being a victim of life, victim of 
being on earth and seeing victims everywhere else. It becomes much more about, and what am I going to do about this? And what is this showing me? And why? Yeah. Why am I here? Right. Like that's a path of suffering, you know, continuing yeah. to, to really delve into that. And I did um, before I, I found myself on the shamanic path. I was on that very path. I was a documentary filmmaker. So I was documenting all the misery. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, that was pretty miserable. I mean, I, <laughs> I became you know, even more depressed than I already was. But I think that that was part of my path too, to kind of um, do that uh, to the nth degree, you know, go into it so deeply that I couldn't stand another minute. The victims, the perpetrators, the crimes, all of those things. And it also was sort of finishing a story within me that was curious about why things are the way they are in the world. So I did get the answers, but then I just stayed with them uh, and suffered until it became too dark and I had to leave. And then I found my way to, you know, the medicines. And I think that that was all pretty much divinely orchestrated, right? I never would have sued that if I wasn't that in that dark place, that I was like you, just willing to do anything to relieve it. Yeah. And to see, I was also in that place where just so gripped by suffering. And then similarly, mine was slightly different, but through traveling and I I like museums. So I'd go to all these different war museums and genocide museums and I was seeing all of these victims and the the human story and and how we've arrived at today and, and what our history is comprised of. And, but it gave me a lot of compassion for others and how much people are, how much suffering people are walking around with, whether they know it or not, some have become so used to it that it's just become what life is. But it helped me understand the human condition. And I think for integration, we have to be able to take the peace that we take from medicine journeys and put it in the context of a bigger picture. That's what will really help us. Like, Why am I seeing this at this time? What does this tell me about what's come before and how can this help me moving forward? And trust that it is part of that path, you know? Like, I think the worst feeling is, oh no, something's wrong and this isn't meant to happen kind of thing and resisting and then we suffer so much more. Right, but that's usually with, with the same victim piece, we've just taken it to the ceremony. So a lot of the guidance we get inside the ceremony itself, we are often guided in certain ways, except what's happening, even if it's dark and all of these things. These are the same, you know, wise words that we could apply to our lives every day, really. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I was saying about the integration after is they don't, the integration doesn't just apply to the ceremony, it applies to life. And eventually mm-hmm. what I found, and I say to my clients, that the ceremony is ongoing every single day. If you take the skills, or at least for me, what I took from ceremony, I learned about symbols, the place of symbols. I learned about the interconnectivity of things. I, I saw how things are connected across time. And then day by day after the ceremony, I started to test it just in my everyday life and to see if those teachings still applied, you know, just sitting in a restaurant or, or booking a flight. And then it starts to get really trippy because you realize 
it, it is all one big ceremony. We're living multidimensionally all the time. And those mm-hmm. teachings can help us navigate and see, see much more to reality than just what's on the surface. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, the and surface it's... has become so important recently, but if we can let go of that, we will see there is so much more happening just what we, in what we presume is the mundane. But in fact, it's quite fantastical. Oh, yeah. Just the experience of going shopping or, you know, some building stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so many stories people have told about the amazing things that happen where it really stands out. But as you say, whether it stands out or not, opening up to that, you know, will will certainly help us move through our lives in a more graceful way and in a way that involves a lot less suffering and a lot more healing, for sure. You had mentioned something that I wanted to bring up about how we measure success. And I think we're, most of us are familiar with some standard measurements um, having to do with money and status and achievements um, that are usually the different kinds of achievements than the ones that we are now focused on once we're in integration mode. Yeah. As I mentioned, I tried all those standard ways and I kind of ticked all of those boxes and went through them going, you know, it's still not working. It's still not working. I'm doing what they say you should, but it's still not working. I still don't feel good. And then I just let it all go and kind of ripped up the manual. And I realized to me, the greatest success was tuning into and doing what I came here to do. Now that sounds really vague, but uh, for example, from a young age, I, when I first saw the word consciousness, I was interested in consciousness. I don't know if I could even pronounce it or spell it, but there was something about consciousness I was interested in. So I took this path and I learned a bit of psychology, but that wasn't it. And then I went into neuroscience. That really wasn't it. And then when I got to the plant medicines and I started my travels and I was exploring my own consciousness, I realized that's what I had come here to do. Now, it's not necessarily what everyone has come here to do, but when I realized that, there was a kind of euphoria with it that I had never known before, that I felt aligned and on track and also authentic to myself. I wasn't doing what other people told me I should do to be happy. I was just doing what I loved and it inspired me. And I had nowhere, I had no idea where it was taking me. I had no money. Each step was into the unknown, but I knew that's what I was supposed to be doing. And in each yeah. moment, I knew this is where I need to be. However weird it looks, however little money I have, however strange and however unknown um, where I'll be sleeping tonight is, I know I'm exactly where I need to be. And and that's, that's a major, um, I mean, to get to that point, I had to let go of a lot of fears, definitely to do with money, security, stability, you know, layers after layer after layer of them, but fulfillment and soul fulfillment, I think became my driving, the driving force for me. Nothing else matters other than that. And when you have that, everything around it reconfigures. You will then attract a different kind of partner than you ever were looking for before. You then attract a very different kind of home because you've completely changed the parameters. You say, this yeah. is my most important thing, my fulfillment and me feeling good. And everything else has to adjust to that. Now, that adjustment isn't necessarily comfortable because you're having to let go of everything that that is in, inauthentic to you. But eventually, the more you stick to that, and for me, I 
uncompromisingly just stuck to that, then life transformed around it. And, you know, 10, 12 years later, I have a completely different life than I could have ever dreamed of and never thought was imaginable. Yeah, I think that that is the initiation right there, because <laughs> you made a choice and you stuck yeah. with it through all of the challenges. And there are many of us that have that story, um, you know, coming from different places, but it felt the same. It felt there was the same feeling of, you know, diving off that cliff and all the same experiences of people around you not having any idea what you're thinking you're crazy and challenging you because it makes you question. But I, I never went back to um, what I would consider to be normal work back then. Uh, after medicines, I, I couldn't bring myself to do that. It was like investing in a life I didn't want, you know. And so despite the feeling of many people around me, I just invested in in me. I, you know, invested all the money that I had in getting better you know, in, in getting to the place where I could live a life that actually reflected who I am and what, what, I, what I'm about and what I want in life. Right. I wonder, that's probably why it gets so bad, so that we won't go back. Because once it's been that bad, you will only go forward. It's why you're still thinking, well, maybe back wasn't so bad and maybe I could make it work. But when it, it's just unbearable you know that you can't carry on living as it was then the only way is forward even if it's mm -hmm. completely unknown yeah it's a good design <laughs> yeah yeah that's the the it's that's why it's darkest before dawn right it's, um, you can't get any darker and then it comes through the sun right. the sun comes up and you mentioned that you know from the youngest age you, you kind of had a, an idea of who you are and what, what what really drove you. And for me, that was wisdom. For me, that was philosophy. I didn't even know the word. Like I spent years, you know, having a love of it and knowing that that's what it was about and having people kind of pointed out and standing out in ways that weren't very comfortable. And then finally, I discovered what it was. For, you always want to get into these deep discussions and it's like, okay. And nobody else did, right? So um, but I never pursued it. And when I ultimately did, you know, in university, it was certainly not the experience that I had envisioned it to be. Even professors warned me of this. That this is not, you're yeah. not going to have you know, philosophical discussions with these professors. That's not how it goes. And I was just, I was pretty devastated by that. And then, of course, you know, once I was in the medicine, it was like, this is it. This is mm -hmm. what I wanted. Yeah, we were kind of being baptized in a way. So there you go. That that ties in with that whole theme, right? Yeah, you you kind of have a taster of it, and then you won't give up until you find it. Because you like a sniffer dog, you kind of give the t-shirt and said, like, "Okay, now go go out there and find more of this." Yeah, I wonder if we're just all always pursuing that, you know, underneath it all, and when we get driven by the external world that's when we move further away from it and when we start to focus inward that's when we get closer yeah i think so we i also have these notes here about our discussion previously and this is a theme that we have discussed on the show before but um, because of what's happening in the world right now i think it's 
worth revisiting. And the way that I have it in my notes is deconstruct everything. So chaos and things have to be kind of thrown into chaos in order to uh, find a new form. Yes. Um, that was that was certainly my my experience. The, the, the message in my first major ayahuasca ceremony was just deconstruct everything. And it just was on repeat, deconstruct everything. And then afterwards, I, I did go into chaos, you know, through those years. I had to go into chaos because you can't go from one form to the next form overnight. It's It's been so rigid and so rigidly the same for so long that it has to go through a breakdown, a complete breakdown, so that the pieces are then all loose enough that you can reform it for the upgraded version, uh, hopefully. And I see that, and that, I, that helps me accept what's taking place on the planet, that it is in chaos. There are lots of things we're being shaken up to see. There are things, especially sort of through COVID, so many systems just started breaking down. So many systems had to be revisited because they, they just were not workable through through the pandemic and for life after. And it, actually, when I see things going into chaos, it gives me a greater reassurance than ever did before when I was trying to hold things, desperately hold things together and need them to make sense and follow order and be systematic. Now, when I see things going to chaos, I feel like it, there's, there's an evolution. It's in the process of an evolution and it has to go through this. So to allow it and give it the space to do that, for it to eventually reform when it's ready to. Yeah, and we have to trust that things are unfolding in ways we might not understand right now. And I mean, I've had this happen so many times. I'm sure so many people have too, where something's happening that's uncomfortable, uh, to say the least, maybe even painful. And you're in resistance mode going, no, no, this can't happen. Or I, I don't want this to happen. And then eventually you relent. And then in retrospect, you learn that that was so necessary for you, for something good to happen and it's like okay note to self don't resist next time when we go through it again <laughs> go with the flow <laughs> again it's really hard when you're in pain or when those things are happening yeah. that you don't like it's you know we can learn the rhythm of it even if it's protracted even if it takes time protracted it's a really good point because it, it does take time that's the thing with any quick fix it's just not long lasting. It's the process. It's huge what we are deconstructing. We're deconstructing what it means to be human. What it means, you touched on what it means to be a successful human, but what does it mean to be a, a whole human being? What does it mean to be a fulfilled human being? What does it mean to be free? And, and that's like eons of our history because it's all influenced who we are today. Yeah. So it's interesting that an integration process involves kind of a, de a, disinteg a disintegration. You, you do have to fall apart before you can integrate because you, want, you have to understand, how, how, as I said earlier, how you got to where you were. And so all yes. those parts have to come apart and go, that's why it's because it's put together like this. All of these parts have to come apart. I have to kind of clean them, get a toothbrush out, floss, floss all these different parts, clean them all up, and then decide how do I want them to be put together moving forward. And do I want to take some of this stuff? A lot of it I just want to leave behind. Yeah. And this falling apart 
it can happen again and again in different ways, oh, different yeah. themes, different things. But, you know, this is what I get sometimes people saying, you know, so I had this, uh, this ayahuasca experience, it was beautiful and, you know, and, and weird and all these things. And then I came home, my life fell apart because they hear these great stories and, and they think, oh, everything's going to be wonderful afterwards. And there's certainly um, that possibility. And to achieve that, to keep that wonderful going, we need to work at it and we need to start to, you know, take a good look at the fact that our lives reflect where we were at before, because that's when we created that life. And so we'll go back to it after learning all these things and changing energetically. And, and then everything has to break down <laughs> so yeah. we can be re reflecting yeah. this new person. Yeah. I, I've seen that a lot myself after ayahuasca ceremonies. I think you go to a higher frequency, you get to that frequency. And then after a ceremony, you go, let's say back to your life. And that's as you, I'm just reiterating, reiterating what you said. You go back to your life as it was before the ceremony, and now that's at a different frequency. So your higher frequency comes in and just jumbles it all up and says, okay, this all has to come into alignment with who I am now. And so then it looks like it's falling apart, but as I was saying, it has to fall apart to be able to reform with who you are and who you're becoming now. You know, sometimes when we talk about this process, I, I get this image in my mind of these fantasy movies or these animated movies where things are literally swirling, you know, <laughs> coming apart. And, and when we're watching that, we, we call it magic, you know, but this is actually the magic that we experience here because all of that, all of those things do need to fall apart and that pain needs to be felt and we need to work through it and understand where it's coming from and the attachments that we have to all those things that represent a life that doesn't work for us anymore. And this, this, because we have to get accustomed to it because it is part of the integration path. So then things move forward and then you, and then you uh, get all these gifts and then it happens again and again. And for me, sometimes I even have these feelings where I can feel that energy sort of not connecting to, um, to certain people, to certain situations and I know right away, you know, it's like, okay, that's not going to work. And I can't move forward with that. And it's, this is the, it's literally showing me, okay, so you move on from there. This is what the path means. It's being laid out energetically for you. And you know not to go into there and you know not to go there. So you must move forward. Look at your notes to self from the previous times. Yeah. And cycles within cycles, <laughs> you have the, you know, it, it, you're not constantly in chaos. There there are these periods of stability, but then because we, we're in so much change, it's not stable for that long before the next cycle comes. You could say the next full moon comes around or the next solstice comes around or some, some solar flare comes around and then it's, we're, we're, we're in it again. But I do mm -hmm. think the more you go through it, as you say, you get used to, I know what I need to do now. I know how to look after myself now. I know there must be something I need to let go of now. And it's caring for ourselves through that process, accepting that this is, this is ongoing now. 
Yeah, it's important to get to be supported through these things too and to support one another because this is an extraordinary process and there's a level of awareness the whole time that makes it not like oh well that happened, you know, we we understand we're going through something important. So, um this is great. Uh, it it can be celebrated, but it's important to to get support through it too because it can be really difficult. Uh, there's one more thing I wanted to bring up that um, you had mentioned, or we must have discussed, because it's here in my notes. <laughs> and it's, uh, I bolded it, so it must be important. <laughs> and it's about simplicity. And this is something that it's always pre presented to us and makes us kind of giggle sometimes in the medicine when we're shown things in a way where we can see so clearly when we're in that state that, oh my God, we're, we're creating all this nonsense and we don't have to, and it's a choice. And really all those things that we want, it's so simple and it's all there for us. And yet, then we go back into this game, right? <laughs> and yeah. I have, it says like return to the recognition of our own power. And this is the path that we're on. Um, we can play games and, you know, engage in, this heaviness, shame and guilt and punishment, or we can let go and shift into a new timeline. And I think right now we're in that process, right, of letting go. Right. Yeah. I think once you start with the medicine or any medicine, at, at least for me, and I, I, I see it in others as well, but you see there, there is so much mess. There's so much complication. There's so much drama from the past, let's say, family stories, family dynamics, this history, this secret, this thing went on. And then as you keep going on your journey, you clear it up and you clear it up. And I, I enjoy the simplicity. As the layers come off, it does get lighter. And I prefer it to be lighter. And, and life is, is so, so much more simpler. And it's just to keep a very light a very light knapsack. I think early ceremony I had, it was like me with this giant knapsack and it was like, okay, you can put it down now. And it was as I was unpacking that knapsack, I realized, wow, there's stuff here from, you know, as I said earlier, eons and generations and clearing it out and um, transforming it and understanding it. And then eventually learning to just travel with less. You know, it's almost backbreaking what we've been carrying through to this time in humanity's history, and moving forward for it all to, to to just be lighter, to be simpler. Once you recognize what inspires you and what you enjoy, and what nourishes you, is just to keep it to those things, and the rest all falls away, and you realize everything just naturally will find its own place. Yeah, these are the gifts that that come with this work, and. As you were talking about that, I kept seeing this vision of my son when he was in school. We now, you know, homeschool and unschool and um, live a much different life. But um, when we had him in school, I remember loading him down with this backpack, as all kids do when they go to school. And they have their lunch and they have their books and they have all this stuff. And I felt awful about it. I did not feel good. I'm like, you know, okay. There's just something wrong about this. I mean, is this kid going to get like spinal problems for <laughs> carrying this stuff around? You know, I mean, I don't remember doing that when we were a kid and it's all the homework and things just seem to be so laden down for him and he's so young. And yeah, sometimes you just go, okay, this is wrong. There's something not right about this, you know? 
anyway, that's that's the kind of physical representation, you know, how we say this life is the ceremony and sometimes it can come up in more of a, a blatant and pronounced way. Um, anyway, we felt that we needed to move on from that. But I was going to ask when you were describing all that, that, you know, you do feel it, right? I mean, you feel now that you're not carrying that heavy weight and you're now accustomed to, you know, to not feeling that way anymore. It's, it's no longer familiar to you. Right. Yeah. Now I even, if, if I buy clothes, then old clothes go to Goodwill. Like, I, I don't like to have a lot of anything. Um, yeah. Just to keep simplifying and keep simplifying. It was so heavy for so long, you know, and when you realize how much you're carrying, you're carrying, especially, I sometimes say to my clients, they often say that there's one person in the family that's going to like wake up and in inverse commas and do the healing for the family, that we, we find that all of our family members are on the same path. And so it feels like we're doing all of the heavy lifting for them and for the ancestors. I, I've, you know, heard it said that really, you know, all we have to do is heal ourselves and that is doing the work for the family. That's the kind of the bonus that they get, whether they're aware of it or not, because just being in this new state, you know, it sends waves, you know, all throughout. Absolutely. Yeah. Where, yeah. wherever you are in the world, like it's far more powerful than we give it credit for the, these kinds of changes. So even though you're not standing up there with the Olympics and getting the, <laughs> the award or, you know, the label, um, we are all uh, achieving those great things just in, by, by healing ourselves. And the meaning that it has for the world is really much more profound than the mountain climber or the greatest swimmer or what have you, not to take away from their achievements, but these kinds of changes that we're making, they're, they're grueling at times, but they're worth it, not only for ourselves, but we are making a difference in the world. Absolutely, yeah. I think even sometimes the smallest, you know, the smallest thing like, you know, getting into an argument with, let's say, a parent and it normally goes this way and we get irritated and we flare up. And then the next time we notice the trigger and we don't and we decide we'll just listen to them and maybe even agree with them. And something as small as that, I think, is so powerful and it sends ripples throughout the whole hologram of consciousness that just says, it's okay, we can do it different this time. I can have compassion and understanding for you rather than be the winner of this argument. And those changes, as you say, I think they're phenomenal, way bigger than, you know, um, maybe running another marathon or, you know, winning another award. It, it, it completely changes the trajectory that we're going on. Mm -hmm. And each time we do something as small as that, it's powerful implications. Yeah, it is. And you can feel it. And I hope we're all feeling it now because um, this is the time, you know, this is the opportunity when things flare up in our lives. We know yeah. that that's an opportunity when things flare up in the world, even bigger, right? Now there's an opportunity for the external world to reflect all these changes that we've been working so hard at. Yeah, that's very true. 
Okay, so um, how about you share with our audience if you feel comfortable doing so, um, uh, a way to reach you, um, your website, um, things you're offering right now? Oh, sure, yeah. So um, there's my personal website, helenmosermancogan.com, or probably easier to remember, thewhiterabbitreveals.com, uh, where I do mentoring, um, there are courses that I offer. So I like to use a structured framework. So there are courses around the tarot, around the runes, the I Ching, or just open course mentoring. I have group courses coming up next year. And books, I have three books that are out. Um, one that summarizes everything that I offer is The Little Book of Self-Inquiry, Ancient Keys for a Modern Age. And the one prior to that is why we think the way we do and how to change it. And those give you a, a framework and some vocabulary for, you know, that I put to all this work and also a context um, for consciousness, really. The thing that I found from Ayahuasca is that she was teaching me to understand how, how we got here and eventually to move beyond needing the plant and to formulate a new way of looking or understanding our psychology, putting the pieces together for ourselves. And if she kind of got me onto her, I learned so much and then she weaned me off and said, okay, now you have to go and do this yourself. So in my works and in my courses, you'll see the products of my learnings from her. I love that. Yeah, I think that that's something that uh, we're all starting to, to realize is that, you know, Ultimately, we're being pushed out of that nest <laughs> so that yes. we can fly ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Any wonderful. nest we get comfortable in, we'll get nudged out of. <laughs> Enjoy it while you can. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah. right. Thanks so much, Helen. Thank you so much, Rebecca. All the best. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Ayahuasca Talks. Please visit RebeccaHayden.com for more ayahuasca integration content and for information about working with me and using hypnosis as an empowering integration tool.